Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Port Richards Cafe, TechSend Senior Residential Care Homes, ATB Painting, and Performance Food Group. Poor Richards Cafe, Plano's oldest restaurant since 1973. They are open daily from 5.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., serving the three most important meals of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dessert. It is true Texas homestyle cooking made with love and grit at his Poor Richards Cafe, located off of Avenue K in Plano. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, senior care at its best with a family atmosphere. They specialize in making their facilities as close to a home living experience as possible. Not only that, there are no movement fees and there are no visitation restrictions. They are located near I-635 in Marsh Lane in Dallas, right near Carrollton. For more information, you can call 469-400-7650. That is Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. And now, let's podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor at Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Justin Thomas and Taylor Raglan. On today's podcast, we're going to dip our toes a little bit more into the basketball waters, talk a little bit of a, kind of some early impressions in the, uh, on the boys' basketball scene in our neck of the woods. Plus, we have an interview with one of the top players in the entire country. First, at the very least, for one more week, we got a football game to preview, and we are uh, down to the uh, to the final four of the high school football postseason. It is state semifinal week, and uh, yes, we have one more team left in our coverage area that is still kicking. Um, Allen. So let's talk. Uh, yeah, which should be a big one on Saturday, four o'clock, AT and T Stadium. Allen versus Duncanville, a um, a matchup that I think has kind of been in the works for um, mm-hmm. all season long. You kind of uh, you know when folks at the beginning of the year were laying out their preseason predictions and who the favorites were in each region, you kind of had an inkling that it could very well be Duncanville versus Allen in the state semis. And I think after the way that this past week went, with the way that those two uh, dispatched of their respective state quarterfinal opponents, the uh, the buzz for this one is just through the roof yep. um so let's uh yeah let's let's dig into this matchup a little bit um i mean if i'm you know on paper a lot of similarities between these two teams as far as just how they've taken care of business it has been very very dominating no matter which way you look at it um as far as just the the head-to-head i mean some team is going to be put in a situation that they frankly haven't been in all season to an extent um obviously the big storyline in this is at least from the allen perspective can they be the team to crack the code against what is looking like like the 85 Bears equivalent of, of high school football defenses? I mean, some of the uh, you know some of the numbers on what this Duncanville defense has done this year are just insane. Now I know that I'm sure the uh, you know the diehards out in Allen, the ones who are not just Allen fans but just general high school football fans, are probably aware of what Duncanville has on defense. But for folks who are just now this week getting up to speed on just what is in store for uh, for the Eagles on Saturday. Out in Arlington, here's just some cursory information, just some some backstory on this Duncanville defense. On the year, like, understand, this is a 13-game sample size now, so to date, Duncanville has allowed 4.6 points per game. 
That's right, 4.6. So by scoring a touchdown, that's considered an above-average performance against the Duncanville defense. Uh, Yardage-wise, 130.5 yards allowed. 130.5. 107.6 passing, 22.8 rushing. Um it's it's ridiculous. I mean, that's just... <laughs> I don't even know how to... Like, how do you make it this far into the season with those kind of averages? Yeah, well, and then the playoff average, too, yeah. right? I mean, on the season, it's, what, 4.6 or whatever you said, yeah, but yeah. in the playoffs, it's 6.7, I think. Yeah. And those are those are increasing in, in yeah. difficulty every every week. It was crazy, because when I covered that Louisville game, it was like, Louisville had one, like, pretty solid drive in the first half, mm-hmm. and they moved down there, and you're like, oh, man, this is like... They just went 60 yards. This is like the best game that anybody's had against the Duncanville defense so far. Like, and they just—it's because they had a good drive. Like, yeah, and that, like, that's what—that's what, that that's what it takes. Of like having the best game against. Yeah. Them. <laughs> I mean, their their season highs in yardage allowed. Um, they haven't allowed an opponent over 300 yards yet. You know, South Lake Carroll got close, got 294, um, but they they've held two opponents to negative yardage. Uh, WT White and Molina, one uh, had negative five, the other had negative three. Yeah. Um, they've pitched six shutouts. You know, they've held an opponent to single digit scoring in 11 games. Only uh, Shreveport um, Evangel out of, uh, out of Louisiana and South Grand Prairie have gotten into double digits. South Grand Prairie with a season high 14 points scored against Duncanville. So, uh, yes, this is a defense that is performing in a, uh, a very. You just don't see a unit that no. excels quite like yeah. this. It comes I along very. I think, I think it was the full season. It might be the playoffs, but I think it was the full season that they've scored more defensive touchdowns than they've allowed touchdowns. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, they've uh, they've actually they've they've allowed eight touchdowns on the season, and they have twelve defensive yeah. touchdowns, <laughs> eight being pick sixes. <laughs> um, so yes, and I mean you dig even deeper into those numbers, you'll come across things like they haven't allowed a single point in the third quarter this season. So if we're just looking at from Allen's standpoint, that basically says you have to be leading at the half. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> And that's uncomfortable for Allen because we talk about it all season long. Allen is Allen never loses the second half mm-hmm. because they're so deep. They just continue to play. Yeah. They don't wear out the same way other teams do, especially in the trenches. Allen never loses the second half, but they might finally run into somebody that can be there in the second half mm-hmm. with them and potentially, like you said, if they're not leading at halftime, win a second half and win a football game. And that's a spot, you know, you mentioned one team or the other kind of being out of their comfort zone. That's a spot that Allen is extremely unfamiliar with. Because even in defeat, like even in their losses, their only two losses yeah. since, you know, October 2012 against the Woodlands, against Westlake, they were down big early. You know, they eventually lost those games, but they were able to win the second half, rally back to within one score in uh, in both contests. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's see. I'm just thinking like from the Allen standpoint what uh, you know the big thing in this game is obviously what resistance is Allen going to be able to show against this Duncanville defense and I think it all starts up front and that's Mm -hmm. kind of the the big subplot heading into this one because you know for all the buzz that Duncanville's you know defense gets specifically their front four um, and just the job that they do you know getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks Allen's offensive line has traditionally been among the best Mm -hmm. in the state it is it is the positional group that I think has been the most consistent and the most dominating throughout just the, this, the, the run of Allen. I mean, dating all the way back to the late 2000s. Allen, it was just death taxes and Allen having a great offensive line. Um, and it's still a good one this year, no doubt. It could be shorthanded, though, on Saturday because they lost two starters to injury against Waco Midway. Uh, their starting center, Nick Trice, and then one of their uh, their guards, uh, Sir Tadrian Brooks. 
Um, head coach Terry Gamble says they're both game time decisions. You know, there was no, you know, they uh, there was no tears or anything, no surgery required or whatnot. So it's still in play that you know either one could uh, you know could be there on Saturday, but it's in doubt as you'd expect. Allen's going to keep that kind of stuff you yeah. know, close to the close to the vest, um, and you know, but it's it's Allen. You know, nobody's going to be crying if Allen's going to be down. You know, a couple yeah. players because of it's Allen. Right. Their their depth is is unlike any team in the state, and you kind of saw that against Midway is that even when those two players went out, um, the offensive line, the quality didn't really drop one bit. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, you slot in, you know, Braden Sanders at, set, at, uh, at center and uh, Colton Ellert at guard, and I mean, it was still a clean pocket for Grant Tisdale all afternoon. So the offensive line is still going to be solid, but it's it's just those little, those incremental differences that could make, could very well prove the difference against a team like Duncanville, because you really do need every, all the horses that you can have against that defensive line. Um, when you saw them, Justin, um, obviously Duncanville's defensive line, they get a lot of pressure. Yeah. Is it is it a symptom of blitzing? Is it just do they rush the front four? Do you recall how they that's, generated pressure against Louisville? the front four, but the thing that really impressed me was just the playmaking ability of the secondary. Yeah. Like they didn't they don't just cover you. You know, they make plays, and when they get when they make a play, then they're just they're like running backs and receivers with mm-hmm. the ball when they get them. Like I've seen, they have to have had at least like four returns of over fifty yards in these playoffs. Yeah, I know they had a couple in the Louisville game. One was like a hundred yards. Um, but yeah, the the front four just just swarming like. They're just all over you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, guys like, you know, just some of the guys in the front four of note, uh, Charleston Craddock, DeBraylin Carroll, uh, Kamarja Kenny. I mean, overall, so, you know, Duncanville has totaled almost 40 sacks this season. And that, I think, is is kind of the, the dicey proposition for Allen, is if Southlake, not Southlake, but Duncanville is able to get pressure with just mm. their front four because yeah. it just didn't, it allows you to do so much more with your back seven. And, you know, because, I mean, if they're not able to generate steady pressure, Grant Tisdale is a you know he's a he's an efficient enough quarterback mm-hmm. to where eventually those receivers and because yeah. Allen has like this is going to be yeah. the best receiving core that Duncanville will have seen and I'm not just probably talking the, you know probably the most mobile quarterback that they've seen as well maybe. yeah and I think that works both ways too with Allen versus Jaquin and Jackson um, but that's the thing with uh, with Grant Tisdale his his rushing has become even more of a uh, of a focus you know as the uh, you know over the last you know two months or so of the season I mean he's routinely getting in the you know the 150 yard you know yards a game uh, you know barometer. Um, but even if he has time to work, I mean receivers like Theo Weiss, obviously you know, Theo Weiss, one of the you know one of the best receivers in the country, the Green Twins, Bryson and Blaine Green, Jawan Mason, Darian Shurfield, they got a lot, I mean, more weapons than I think any opposing, you know, receiving core that, you know, that Duncanville secondary will have seen. But you did mention those playmakers and it's guys like, you know, Treshawn Devons, um, Stacy Brown, Chris yeah. Thompson Jr. That was where a lot of the experience resided in that Duncanville defense. And that was insane too, because you think back to the start of the season, Duncanville's defense returned only three starters, mm-hmm. and they've had the year that they've had because it's not a it's not a unit that was uh, you know was forged through just all these these battles together and all this veteran experience. No, it's a it's a it's a defense that was a lot of those guys were playing together on varsity for the very first time this season, and uh, to to turn in the year that they have, I mean, it's like I said, it is it is a defense that is operating at a historic pace and making a very worthy case as being maybe the best defense in the history of at the, the very least the six A classification. Um, um, but and then there was also the wrinkle because while you saw Duncanville putting up these gaudy defensive numbers, you could you could you know fall back on the well, okay. We'll look at the schedule. It's mm-hmm. not the not the deepest district right. and whatnot. But then you see what they've done these last couple weeks mm-hmm. of the playoffs against Arlington Lamar, against South Lake Carroll, allowing a combined thirteen points against 
two offenses that even after the Duncanville performance rank third and fourth in the area in total offense. And I think that uh, you know the the the, the Southlake performance especially was such an eye opener. Yeah. And that's the one that really like oh my goodness they are okay they are. <laughs> I don't know if that was just a you know I mean I guess we'll learn on Saturday if that was just simply kind of a perfect storm because Southlake mm-hmm. did commit five turnovers in that yeah. game very very un Southlake like performance from an efficiency standpoint. If that was just a perfect storm or just an indictment that Duncanville's defense is just that freaking special. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because you know we've. Again, we've talked about it so many times. The way that you traditionally beat Allen is you build a big enough advantage in the first half mm-hmm. to survive the second yeah. half because they will win the second half. But, you know, kind of like I alluded to, this may be the first time that anybody can employ a different game plan and yeah. just just shut Allen out. Mm-hmm. Just, just not allow them to get rolling on offense, do enough on the offensive side of the ball against them to, you know, if Duncanville leads by you know, 13, 14 points at halftime, like, mm-hmm. is that enough? Just yeah. because their defense has been so dominant, especially in the second half. It's it's an interesting wrinkle because it's 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 been so traditionally important to punch Allen in the mouth and be up so big at halftime mm-hmm. to, we, to beat them that that may not have to happen Saturday yeah. for Duncanville to win. Offensively, this is a very much strength versus strength. These are the, these are the number one and number two uh, rushing offenses in the Metroplex. Uh See, uh, Duncanville. Let's see. Allen is at what? Uh, let's see. Allen. They're both over 300 yards rushing on the season. They're both. They're both incredible rushing the football. With Allen, obviously, we've, we've mentioned Grant Tisdale. I mean, again, as as dominant a dual threat quarterback as you know as there's been in 6A this season. Mm-hmm. Coupled with being maybe the most efficient passer. <laughs> I mean, it really is a kind of a pick your poison and how you handle him. You know, plus you know in the backfield you got guys like Seldon Manning and Grant Robinson. I mean, they've just got so many ways that they can beat you. You know, whether it's you know between that stable of running backs or the talented receivers we mentioned earlier. I mean, it's, it is an impressive offense. And with Duncanville, I mentioned to Quinton Jackson, I mean, he is a... Uh, Allen hasn't seen a quarterback quite like that because not only is he, um, is he a polished runner, he's a tough player to bring down, much like Tisdale. These two players are very, very similar in just kind of the way that they uh, operate at the quarterback position. Um, with Jackson, um, that was the one thing that just stuck out about watching the highlights is just how physical he is when he mm-hmm. runs and how he will, he will just go head-on and he will bowl you over. And, um, I mean, he's 6'2", 210 pounds, <laughs> averages almost 10 yards a carry. So, um, I mean, yeah, tackling is um, it is going to be a, a paramount against a player like that. And he, I mean, he had, you know, perhaps his best performance of the season, you know, last week against South Lake Carroll. He had 150 yards rushing, three touchdowns, in addition to going 11 of 15 passing. I mean, he's dangerous. Allen has not seen a player quite like that yet this season. But I think the same holds true with Duncanville versus Grant Tisdale right. and his stable of weapons too um i'm anxious to see who um who wins the like the special teams battle i think right? this, again, yeah. you gotta you gotta dig so deep for that because even like like you know for all the uh all the defensive scores that duncanville has i mean they do have i mean what did i had it written down they've um let's see they've got six return touchdowns mm-hmm. <laughs> off special teams alone um and you ver- you compare that to allen which you know might not have that volume of special team scores but they do really excel in using special teams to dictate field position right. yeah i was gonna say they that's another area where Allen always beats you. Mm-hmm. They always beat you in special teams, especially, like you said, in field position. It seems like Allen always gets the ball at the 40. Yeah. Like, it just, it just, when you watch Allen play, it's like, oh, they're at the 45 mm-hmm. out of nowhere. So, it, it'll be interesting if Duncanville can slow the offense 
and then you know maybe you know it goes back and forth a little bit if Allen gets taken out of that comfort zone too mm-hmm. because they're used to working with a seventy yard field, yeah. hundred yard field. I mean James Griffith, their kicker, does such a good job at pinning these teams just outside the red zone. Not enough teams. I've noticed not enough teams this year. I don't know if you guys have seen this. You know teams can call for a fair catch mm-hmm. on kickoff returns and get the ball at the twenty five. Um, I don't see Allen's one of the few teams that does this. Um, you know I haven't seen too many, but um, yeah, I mean you had Waco Midway last week that had three drives that I believe started inside the 15-yard line mm-hmm. just because of Allen's you know, special teams being so good at tackling. And, um, yeah, just little wrinkles like that. And, I mean, it just it really is, like Coach Gamble stresses all the time, just you know, just making the most of opportunities. It sounds basic, but at the same time, like, you look at the Southlake game, and Southlake goes right down the field to begin, then they miss a field goal, mm-hmm. and then, I mean, it's you just you can't let opportunities like that go awry. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I... I don't know. This this game should be this this really should be great. What a I mean, what a state semifinal, what a final four period between right. I mean, you have Allen and Duncanville on one end of the bracket, you've got Lake Travis and North Shore on the other end. I mean, four teams that you're really expected to kind of be here in the end. You don't have any Cinderella stories, yeah, no a lot like of people I've seen, you know, on Twitter and stuff like that saying this is, you know, maybe the best, you know, six A final four mm-hmm. ever. I, I don't know if that's even that tough of an argument and maybe just one of the best final fours ever, period. Just the pure talent mm-hmm. and, and dominance that all four teams have, have shown the whole year. Um, who do we think is going to win this one? I took Allen. I mean, we yeah. spent, we just I feel like we just spent 25 minutes, you know, elaborating on why Duncanville might win this football game, but at the same mm-hmm. time, it's you know, it's mid-December, and Allen's playing in a state mm-hmm. semifinal at AT&T Stadium, and it's, it's really hard to go against mm-hmm. that. It's just, it's really tough to pick against them. Not that, I mean, obviously, we wouldn't have sat you know, here and, and said all the things we said if we didn't think Duncanville had a, a legitimate mm-hmm. shot at winning this football yeah. game. But I think it's just too tough to, you know, it's like the Highland Parks of the world. It's it's hard to pick against them this time of year, regardless of the circumstances. Justin? I'm taking Duncanville. Okay. I think the defense will get it done. I don't think they're going to turn the ball over much, and I think they're going to win a pretty low-scoring game. How about 21-20? to 21-20? 20. Oh, score and everything. Yeah. Right. I think this has a chance to be a pretty low-scoring one too. At the very least, if Allen wins, I think it's going to be a low-scoring. Yeah. Just because I, you're, they're not going to like, they're not going to. They might crack the code in the sense that they have a better offensive showing than anybody else has yeah. against it. But it's not going to be like they're not going to hang 35 yeah. or 38 on them or whatever. So if, if Allen does win, I foresee this. Yeah, it's going to be like a 24 to 20 style style football game. Um, I, I I think Allen's. I don't make this pick with much confidence. I'm saying this right straight up. But I think Allen is going to squeak out a win. Should be mm-hmm. a tough one. Um, I think that, uh, I, like you said, I kind of default to Allen's big game experience and having players and a coaching staff that is accustomed to, you know, coming through at this juncture of the uh, of the postseason. I, uh, you know, it's I don't know. I want to say, but then I think it's like the Southlake game last week. Southlake came into that game with only what three turnovers, I think, on the season, and they commit five. So yeah. I don't know if it was again just you know maybe the stage was a bit too big for a South for, you know, for Southlake or whatnot. But I mean, Allen has been that's like kind of Allen's mo is just efficient mistake-free football they're not a team that beats themselves um and it's a trust it's it's a vote of confidence in you know again in grant tisdale and just you know his efficiency and just the that they're not going to make the same mistakes they're not going to 
commit the turnovers mm-hmm. that Duncanville did. And because those things, I mean, that can swing a game just from an emotional standpoint. And I also think it's worth noting just that adversity is going to set in at some point for one, probably both of these teams at some point on Saturday. And I do think it kind of matters that Allen has been through the fire already against teams like Rockwall and the mm-hmm. Woodlands, which gave them, you know, some stiffer challenges than they might have otherwise anticipated. But at the very least, you know, they know how to work through, you know, a close quarters, you know, mm-hmm. when it gets to crunch time. Duncanville hasn't had to do that yet. They've just beat the brakes off of everybody. And you know what? Maybe that's just an indictment of how good they are. I was going to say, to their credit, I thought South Lake, mm-hmm. I took South Lake last week. Yeah. I mean, everybody expected that to be a much better game, and Duncanville just came out and just railroaded him. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to their credit, maybe it's, I mean, like we always say, you play who's in front of you, but maybe that's, like you said, a, a, a message about how good they might actually be. I want. I mean, I won't. You know, balk at anybody who picks either side in this one, though, because you can make great cases for both teams, and you've kind of seen that in just the. If you read up online, if you listen, you know, there's definitely, despite Allen's stature and you know their pedigrees, the reigning state champions, you know, ranked you know number one, number two, whatever, in whatever national poll you see. With what Duncanville did last week against South Lake Carroll, there is a lot of folks who are going to be back in Duncanville in this game. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, it's we're right down to the final four. I don't really think there's a whole lot separating these four teams from a skill standpoint. It's just again, it boils down to just the usual cliches of who plays, you know, most mistake-free football and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, I think I think Allen gets it done, but not by much. I think it's going to be a very, very good game. Every bit as as good as the as the hype would anticipate. And uh, this might actually be, at least from a from a picket line standpoint, the most competitive Allen game that we've ever had. Yeah, <laughs> it is a perfect. Th- 3-3 split on the picket line for Allen Duncanville. Uh, Taylor, you and I, as well as Kendrick Johnson, siding with the Eagles. Justin, you, Brian Murphy, Devin Hassan, picking Duncanville. So um, I hope it's a good one. Hope it lives up to the hype. But yeah, um, It'll be, uh, yeah, 4 o'clock Saturday out at AT&T Stadium. I will be there. I'll be tweeting out updates. You can follow me along at MWelchSLM. And, uh, yeah, hoping for a fun one. And, uh, yeah, that is, a, that is a look at Allen versus Duncanville, your Class 6A Division One state semifinal. Um, obviously, though, we've uh, you know we can put football in the back burner for at least for a few days and talk a little bit of a talk a little basketball. Whereas last week we gave some uh, some early impressions on the girls basketball scene. Going to shift gears to the boys, and we're going to start by uh, interviewing um, one of the one of the absolute best basketball players in the country, uh, Little Elm's own R.J. Hampton. Uh, Brian Murphy had a chance to talk with R.J. on his outstanding junior season as well as the Lobos season in general, and we will see what R. RJ had to say after a word from this sponsor. Let's take a quick break to talk about ATD painting. Whether it's painting, staining, carpentry, residential, commercial, interior, exterior, ATD painting has you covered. They have four locations in the Metroplex, including Plano and Louisville. You can call 972-694-8888 for more information, or you can visit their website at atdpainting.com. That is ATD painting. Check it out to see just how affordable professional painting can be. And now, let's get back to the podcast. All right, I'm with Little Elm guard, R.J. Hanton, and R.J., I'm not sure, but I think you have a a big decision on your college decision to make right now, or not quite yet? (laughs) (laughs) Not quite yet, but it's coming soon. Okay, okay, now you've gotten a lot of offers from a lot of schools. What what kind of schools are piquing your interest right now? I mean, throw me a handful of names. Uh, You've got Texas, TCU, Michigan, Kansas, Duke, Kentucky, um, Florida State. So a lot of of schools coming after you, 
you know, so reason why you're, you're a five-star recruit, for people that don't know who R.J. Hampton is, uh, you're right now, you're somewhere in the top ten in the rankings. Well, now, how much do you pay attention to those rankings? Uh, I mean, not much. I mean, I might look at them, like, when they, the day they drop, but I don't really pay attention to them. Okay, so you, you played against another guy uh, a couple weeks ago in the, the Thanksgiving Hoop Fest in Duncanville, uh, Jalen Green, who's ranked uh, somewhere up there in those ESPN rankings. How much fun was that? How much fun was that Hoop Fest and getting to play against guys like that? Uh, I mean, playing at Hoop Fest is always great. I mean, there's been so much talent coming through the Hoop Fest for all these years. And then to finally be able to play in the Hoop Fest at a, at a good time at the premier game, especially against Jaden Green, it was fun. I mean, he's a great player. I played with him for two years on, the, on USA Basketball. So we know each other well, so it was fun competing. Now, speaking of another guy who, who's well-known nationally here in the Metroplex, uh, Tyrese Maxey. He's Kentucky signee. Uh, senior over at South Garland, they got a pretty good squad, and you guys are playing them, you know, this Friday. How much are you looking forward to to, to that game and going against him, a, a team and player that you played against last year at this exact time? I mean, I'm looking forward to a great deal. I mean, I was looking forward to it the the, the day after we lost to them last year. I mean, we were up by ten at halftime, and, and we should have really won that game. So I've been that's been on my calendar for a long time. But it should be fun playing against him. I mean, he's a great player, Kentucky signee, uh, top ten in the country. So I mean. We're just going to battle it out, and, and we're going to come up with the win. So. Now, last year you had a great sophomore season. You are Class 5A Player of the Year. Now, what's kind of your goal for your junior year? Uh, I mean, my freshman year I was I had all these accolades individually. We, we lost in the second round, and then this past year I got 5A Player of the Year, and then we ended up losing the third round. This year, I mean, I've got the individual uh, accolades, and uh, I think this year I just want to win a state championship. I mean, I didn't get Gatorade Player of the Year last year. Um, so that's one of my goals also this year. But just winning, just uh, competing every game, and, and I think we're going to come out with a state ring. Now, the past few years, you've had a running mate, uh, you know, average upwards of 20-plus points a game with you. Your, your freshman year, you had Devin Pullum. He's playing college basketball now. And then you had Javion Williams. Last year, he's playing college basketball now. And now this year, Trey White kind of came out of nowhere, yeah. f- phenomenal freshman. I understand he's ranked, you know, in that freshman class somewhere up there as well. How much – fun has it been playing alongside a, a, a young freshman who, who's who's highly talented like yourself? Uh, yeah, it's been fun playing with Trey. Uh, he's a great talent. Freshman, like you said. Uh, it's just been it's just been real fun to play with him. He's he got all the tools. He he has the perfect body, the perfect frame just to just to be great. So it's been real it's been real good playing with him. He, he helps me out a lot on offense and defense. So when we're clicking together it's really hard to beat us. Now when did you kind of meet him? When did you realize that he was coming to Little? Did you know who he was before coming to Little Elm? Oh yeah, for sure. I've, I've known Trey since he was probably in sixth grade. Okay. Um, I've known Trey all throughout middle school, and he went to Prestonwood uh, Academy in middle school, and then one day he just texted me. He was like, hey, I just moved to Little Elm. And I was like, I guess we got something cooking. Okay, now how excited were you when you got that text? Was, did it come out of the blue? Were you surprised? Because he's yeah. from around this area also, Little Elm, yeah. So yeah, I was surprised when he, when he texted me and told me that. I mean, I can remember I, I was texting Devin one day, my freshman year, right before my freshman year, I was like, hey, I just moved to Little Elm. And he was like, same thing. Like, we're cooking now. So it was like the tables are turned. Yeah. You, you, were, you were Trey White when you were a freshman, and yeah. Devin was you, and then now you're yeah, <laughs> interesting. Cool. All right, well, thanks, RJ. Thanks again to RJ Hampton for taking the time to chat with Brian for our student athlete spotlight. And with that, uh, yeah, let's talk a little boys hoops. Um, you know, for uh, some districts are already underway, like the Frisco district. Some begin this Friday, like some of the uh, Louisville ISD districts. And then uh, you got Allen and Plano's district, which starts next week. So let's um, just some cursory, some early observations on just what we've seen out of some of our uh, our boys basketball markets. Obviously, we won't touch on everybody. You know, we only got so much time to film. We've got all season to get to that. So nevertheless, um, you know, we were just 
just kind of building off of RJ and Little Elm. I mean, if you're just looking at a at a district at the 5A level that you can make a case might be the most top heavy in terms of just uh, you know just quality of oh, teams. Yeah. I mean, 85A is uh, pretty salty when you look at uh, the the power trio of Justin Northwest, Little Elm, and uh, the Colony. The Colony, which worked its way into the top ten of the Texas Association of Basketball Coach State Rankings. Yeah. Um, I mean, are you surprised by this at all, Justin? Just what do you make of the Cougars and their uh, and their hot start? I'm a little surprised because you know they lost some key key pieces from last year, in particular mm-hmm. Khalil Spear, um, who kind of did a lot of different things for them and was a leader. Um, so kind of surprised a little bit by the start, um, but not too much. They, they're obviously a really good team. You know, they gave Little Elm a good game last year, mm-hmm. um, made the playoffs. So good, uh, good senior leadership with. Bryce Okpo, Luis Rodriguez, Garen Davis coming back, so I'm not not too surprised. Um, it just looks like this is going to be a really good district. I know, um, I know coming into the year, I think the coaches picked Dan Ryan to actually finish third ahead of the Colonies. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's talent there. If, if teams are picking them ahead, and then obviously we know about Justin Northwest and Little Elm, but um, no, the Colony looking pretty good. You know, they have uh, Terry Mosier. He's a sophomore. Played some varsity minutes as a freshman last year. Mm-hmm. So he's a pretty good outside shooter. Does a little bit of everything. They get Keith Miller back, obviously the uh, Texas Tech commit in football. Absolutely. So really good athlete there. And then, as I mentioned, those kind of seniors they have returning along with a um, <coughs> another sophomore that's, that uh, Coach Ryan said has given nice contributions, uh, Sean Matthew. So, um, you know, Coach Ryan seems to like the, the depth they have over there and obviously the experience. And um, it's a team that, you know, can score in different ways. They have some shooters mm-hmm. that can get up and down. But I think this is a team that's really going to hang their hat on their defense, and that starts with Oakpo. You know, he's Defensive Player of the Year all the way back when he was a sophomore. He's, his offensive game has continued to evolve, but defensively he's one of the, the better players in the area there. And mm-hmm. I think that kind of where it starts for the colony. I'm curious to see if they can wedge their way into what was kind of perceived as a two-horse race for that yeah. top spot between Northwest and the colony. Obviously, Northwest, you know, we I mean the state runner-up last year, and they've got you know perhaps they're you know three of their four best players or so back with uh, Avery Anderson, Sammy Freeman, and Julian Smith. I mean, we expect them to be in the thick of things right until the very end. Little Elm's always going to be fascinating to monitor because they have one of the most electrifying yeah, players uh-huh. in the entire country, in R.J. Hampton, and he is um I mean he's doing R.J. things once again this season. And he's already got a 40-point game under his belt. I was there at that yeah, one. You saw him against yeah. Hebron doing his thing. As always, though, it's just going to be a question of where else does the does the scoring come from? And they do have a standout freshman this uh-huh. year named Trey White, who is you know turned some heads early on. Yeah. You know Brian Murphy saying, I mean, he's a he is a highly regarded prospect despite just being a freshman. You know, and he's had some games where he's got up into that you know the high 20s, you know 30 you know 30 barometer. I mean, he can he can fill it up. He is a uh, he does not play like a normal freshman. He has a far more polished offensive game than a normal freshman. Not a uh, definitely a much more athletic player than you see at the freshman level, um, but he's going to go through the expected freshman up and downs and whatnot, and yeah. that will just kind of ultimately dictate. I think that will kind of honestly depend more because once you get into the playoffs, you know what you're going to get out of RJ. But you know when you get run into these teams that are perhaps a bit deeper than Little Elm and have a bit more of a scoring punch beyond their go-to guy, um, yeah, it's just going to depend on where the offense comes from beyond him. But as long as you have RJ Hanton, you get a fighting chance against yeah, pretty much right. anybody. Um, let's see. Uh, I mean, yeah, you actually wanted to throw out a note on Lake Dallas, though, as we're talking. Sure. I mean, yeah, we can uh, we can mention obviously an uphill an uphill road for, for mm-hmm. basically any team outside that top three in that district, as you mentioned, super top heavy. Um, Lake Dallas, they're going to have to fight through some size. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're pretty small overall, um, and and with that, they've kind of gone to uh, an NBA style approach, I guess if you want to call it that way, <laughs> uh, an analytical approach. They 
they're literally all shots from the outside or you know in the paint. And obviously they have you know Austin Shepard back mm-hmm. is is their leader. Um, likes to mix it up, likes to drive the rim um, and score inside. But outside of that, it's literally you know fast pace. They do full scale line changes all the time, um, which is uh, which is kind of unusual. I mean it's it's interesting to watch because literally it's it's five for five almost every time they sub. Um, they play aggressive defense, but but their game is really predicated on being able to shoot from outside and. You know, Yash Matu, Sean Woodson, they have guys that can shoot from outside and and score that way, but they're really going to live and die by whether or not they can do it on any given night. Because I saw them play McKinney Christian. They had 14 threes, 14 made threes Mm -hmm. in the first half. So, I mean, if you do that, in theory, you can play with anybody. But that's a uh, a pretty unstable way to to go about things night in and night out. So we'll see. I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll jump up and play spoiler a couple times, but tough tough lead to crack the top four for sure. Nice to see uh, Daryl Morey's influence trickling down to the high school right. level. Yeah. Um, over in, let's see, let's, uh, let's talk a little District 9-6A. Just a couple things on District 9-6A. Um, uh, I'd say the biggest thing that's jumped out just in the few weeks that we've been, you know, digging our toes into uh, into boys basketball has been that uh, Allen hasn't really lost a step despite nope. graduating four starters, despite a, a new head coach, albeit a former assistant in Joe McCullough. Um, Allen's still really freaking good at basketball, and uh, so much so that they're ranked number two in the state right now. I'm not sure at the start of the year if I would have envisioned them being, you know, number two in the state heading into district play. And after watching them against the number one team, Denton Geyer, that doesn't feel like a fluke at all. Like they were in position to beat Geyer if they could have made one free throw with three seconds left in that game. They end up losing in overtime by three points at Geyer. And this is a Geyer team that returns. I mean, Davion Harmon, Jalen Wilson, Jacoby Coles, its usual star-studded lineup, and Allen matched them step for step. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't have to, you know, junk it up like they had to the last, you know, last year in the, in the regional finals. They played, the, they played them in a track meet, and they were, you know, for most of the game, they, I mean, they looked every bit the equal of, of what is right now the number one ranked team in the state. It's a different Allen team, and like I said, they graduated four starters. You have only Isaiah Stevens being the lone, the lone returning starter on that team. Plus, you know, six man Corey Jones is now starting, and it's a, it's a young team too. And that's the thing, like that was kind of the big takeaway from the Geyer game is that even though they lost, like this Allen team was what they are right now. It feels like a team that does have a lot of room to grow just because of how young and new most of that rotation is to the varsity level. You know, players like Tylen Elder, Bryce Kennedy, you know, Manny Obaseki, who played a little bit of time on varsity early last year. Um, I mean, just guys that are just going to keep getting better as the as the season progresses. It's a, it is a really interesting team. They uh, maybe don't have, like, they're not a, they don't, haven't shot yet quite as well as they could last. I mean, that last year's team could knock down, you know, 15 to 20 threes in a game sometimes it felt like if they were hot enough. I mean, this team is you know, they, they still have five guys you know on the court at all times that can space the floor um, but they make up for it by being probably a bit more overly athletic than last year's team was. They got some guys that can leap like, if, if you're just even watching layup lines, I mean, that's exciting just because right. of the kinds of dunks those guys can throw down. I mean, it's, it's a different team in some respects they still don't have a true post which is been the case ever since, uh, pretty much since they had uh, Jamoni McNeese now balling up at OU. You know, their six ten center back when they went to state. You know, back in two thousand fourteen. Um, you know, ever since, I mean, they just they they have a lot of guys that are you know anywhere from six two to six six that can all play different positions. Very similar to last year's team and kind of the versatility that they provide. Um, so teams like you know like Jesuit and their big man Julius Marble, you can see that posing some fits. The two games that I've seen, Allen, you know, the Jacoby Coles and uh, you know with Geyer and then. DeSoto Soto's big man. 
Um, you know, they, they'll give up an offensive rebound on you, but, I mean, it's still a team that gets up and down, plays the kind of ball that they've been accustomed to under Jeff McCullough, you know, who's former head coach, now it's being run by his brother, Joe McCullough. <laughs> um, and, yeah, they're, they've only lost one game. Is that Geyer? And, yeah, I mean, they look the part. And they're, right now, it's, you know, them and Jesuit appear to be the two front runners in this district, and um, should, be, should, be a fun, should be a fun ride, though. But, yes, Allen, despite all that they lost from last year, still really good at basketball. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess if you want to talk 96A, the, the team, the opposite of that, you know, the, the team that lost arguably the least, and I think maybe not even arguably, is, is Plano West. Yep. And been a little bit, um, I don't want to say a slow start, a little bit probably more up and down than they would expect, but, you know, they just have so much depth. It yep. was a rare down year for them with some injuries that, that caused them to miss the playoffs and, and stumble down the stretch, but they bring everybody back. Yep. You know, Ryan Zambi, uh, little brother Alex Zambi, who, you know, was a superlative winner as a freshman, uh, last year, Shamar Pearl, Christian Green, only a sophomore, uh, Christian Aguilar. It's it's up and down. They have everybody back, and there's no reason that they shouldn't be a postseason team underneath. I think we all pretty much had them at, at three or four mm. um, when we were talking about it. So we'll see. Uh, it's it's the opposite story over at East. So it's it's going to be, I think, a better year for East under uh, new head coach Matt Wester. Um, it's it's an interesting case over there because the one thing that Wester's really said about them is that. They basically brought up the majority of the JV team after graduating and losing everybody. Mm. And it's actually kind of worked out in the early going. They had the, the impressive upset of Morton Ranch um, on the last second shot. But there's a lot of youth, but it's youth that's accustomed to winning. So it could be a situation where, you know, I don't think they're a playoff team, but I don't think they're a winless team either. Mm. So, I mean, that's a step in the right direction under under, uh, under Wester's first year. So we'll see those PISD schools. But West should, uh, should certainly have a better season bringing literally everybody back and, and achieve more on par with, with the talent that they had in the last year. Justin, over in District 66A with Louisville ISD and Capel, what are, um, before we get out of here, what are some initial impressions of what you've seen there? Well, I guess for starters, the first thing I want to mention, we've kind of mentioned this when we started talking basketball a little bit mm-hmm. before, but it's, it's just really odd to ha- cover a district and five teams in the district and four of them have new head coaches. So, mm-hmm. Wow. Um, That's it's definitely a, a change, you know, kind of seeing how these styles may change and mm-hmm. stuff. You know, obviously, I haven't got to see all these teams in person yet, but intrigued to see how the coaching changes play out and then um, some, some young talent that's uh, kind of making some headlines in this district. But... Um, this is looking. I think this is an underrated district. You know, I was looking at the you know the preseason rankings and stuff. Nobody in the district is ranked from this district. Mm-hmm. I think a couple teams are going to get up there. You already saw um, Hebron, you know, earn a win over Little Elm. Yeah. You know, Hebron goes to Little Elm. They don't have Trajan Bridges or Darius Snow, two of their key players for basketball. Yep. So they go on the road to Little Elm in a game in which RJ scores his season high in points. I believe it's still a season high forty three. <laughs> And they go over there and beat them, and they pretty much led wire to wire. I know yeah. Little Elm, you know, R.J. Hampton went crazy in the third quarter, and Little Elm got a lead for just a second. But Hebron pretty much controlled that game. Evan Anderson and Logan McLaughlin were awesome. McLaughlin is a pure shooter, but he's got he's got a little more hops than uh, than I thought. You, you okay. see him on Twitter throwing down some nice dunks, and then Evan Anderson just got the uh, uh, Arkansas Fort Bend uh, commitment. So. Um, those two are playing well, and once they incorporate those football guys, not sure how long Bridges is going to be around before he goes to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. He has been out there the last few games. So I like the way this Hebron team is shaping up. Obviously, they've won the district the last two years and then were eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. So they have plenty of motivation to get back to the playoffs and try to pick up a win this year in the, the first year under head coach Eric Ryle, who was a longtime mm-hmm. assistant under former coach Mark, Mark Bishop. So. Um, 
the other team that's really kind of turned my head early is Louisville. Ah, um, yes. The Farmers have a couple good backcourt players in O.C. Gertman and Kylan Green, who was awesome last year as a freshman, just has a really good feel for the game at the point guard spot. But it's two newcomers that have uh, changed things over there for the Farmers under head coach, uh, new head coach Brian Miller, and that's uh, – K.J. Pruitt, who is a little on transfer, he's mm-hmm. a junior guard. Um, he's been picking up some college offers lately. And then uh, before the season started, you know, one of my sources, uh, somebody very familiar with Louisville basketball and quality basketball in the Metroplex, told me that there's a uh, freshman at Louisville that has NBA potential all over him. <laughs> so, of course, I go to Instagram and Twitter and try to see what I can on, we're talking about... Um, Sorry, blanking on the name. No, Keontae George. Keontae George. Six four guard, just looks super smooth if you see his highlight reels. He had one, I think I showed you where he mm-hmm. went behind his back, step back three, like and he comes out, scores thirty one points the first game in a, a big victory over Bowie. I think they won by like twenty five. He's yeah. had three games of twenty eight or more. He's pretty much hitting twenty every game. He looks like the real deal and looks like he's probably one of the premier freshmen in the area and I think a guy that you're gonna be hearing a lot of over the next four years. Um, and then, with, so with him and Pruitt, those f- those four guards, this is a pretty athletic group. They should be able to get up and down. They're off to a 13-2 and two start, mm-hmm. and I think they're going to be right in the hunt for that district title, too. And then, um, not really sure to make of uh, Marcus. You know, they pretty much lost everybody. They had Zach Meyer. He was a second-team all-district player from last year back. But outside of him, not much experience. Um, I think they're going to have a good team that works well together and is competitive, but I don't know that they have the firepower that some of these other programs in uh, 6-6A have. And then looking at Coppell, they got to kind of be thinking what could have been. They have Quavian Adger, yeah. who trans all-district player last year as a sophomore and freshman, I believe, who transfers to the this new iSchool in Louisville. Then they're expecting, you know, good things from K.J. Liggins, but he gets hurt in football, so he's not playing for the whole basketball season. So before the season starts, you know, if you go back to when Clint Schnell inherited the program <coughs> from Kit Pell last year when he took a AD position, you know, quite possibly maybe two of their three best players are weren't even there for the start of the season. So now they're looking to Tariq Amon and company. Um, you know, they've had some nice results. They played uh, Rockwell Heath uh, five. Mm-hmm. They played South Garland twice and, you know, didn't – they weren't exactly, you know, down to the wire, but they didn't get blown out either. So um, I think this is going to be a competitive district and should be a good race for these four spots. I'm not really sure what the Irving schools had, but I did see Nimitz was kind of picked to make the playoffs, so I'm guessing they have some talent mm-hmm. over there. But should be a pretty fun competitive race. Awesome. That is a, uh, an early look at what to expect out of uh, just a few of our markets with uh, with boys basketball oh, district play creeping. Mount, how can I, <laughs> forget, how can I <laughs> The Caleb Loner Show? So yeah. Fire Mountain, another team yeah. that had a great season last year. Mm. Um, five teams sometimes. I forget which ones I've already talked about. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, obviously Caleb Loner, um, you know, if you're, if you're not talking R.J. Hampton, he might be the next best, you know, uh, junior recruit in, this, in the area. He mm. uh, keeps climbing. He's up in the 30s now. He's getting lots of looks. Um, does it all offensively, nice hops, smooth shot, and he really attacks the offensive glass too. And Coach Littleton seems to be very pleased with how he's coming along uh, defensively. Kind of like Marcus, the issue with Flower Mound is they lost a ton, and especially they lost pretty much all of their size. So they have Loner back, and they have Jeffrey Mills, and other than that, it's a bunch of new characters, but it's going to be the same Flower Mound. You know, they're going to they're going to rattle rattle you with their matchup zone and kind of throw you in mm-hmm. whack, and then they're going to let it fly. I believe this year this, they're going with the tsunami. Okay, but it's the same Flower yeah. Mound. You know, 
get an open three, let it fly, and they're going to make their fair share and, and be in ball games mm-hmm. and come back. So yeah. expect those uh, those three teams to really be up for those Heber, Louisville, and Flyermount being that contention for that t- district title. Awesome. And that will conclude this edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. We will be back on Monday to uh, to recap Allen and Duncanville. Plus, you know, we'll talk a little bit more hoops for next week. And, um, yeah, in the meantime, folks, that'll do it. Uh, Taylor, Justin, appreciate you for tagging along. Uh, folks, you enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to you all later. Thanks for checking out this edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast, brought to you by Performance Food Group. They deliver more than 150,000 food and related products to customers all across the country. Their McKinney office is currently hiring Class A CDL drivers, order selectors, and many other entry and part-time positions. For more information, you can visit their website at pfgc.com careers, or you can call 214-491-3130. That is Performance Food Group located in McKinney at 500 Metro Park Drive. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.